0: Welcome to Disaffected. I'm Joshua Slocum, and this is the show where we talk about politics, culture, and relationships through a psychological lens. And this week, the media had a lot to say about the gunman who killed five people at a queer nightclub in Colorado Springs until he sprang a little surprise on them, and we have some things to say about that. This is a two-subject show. That's one half of the show. The next half of the show, we're going to be joined by my friend Barbara Wegner, who is a life coach and a writer, and nobody does a better job explaining one of the most fundamental dynamics in abusive situations than Barbara does, and that's called the Karpman Drama Triangle, and this is another Get Your Notebook Out segment, so have it ready. Let's jump right into the club shooting. As you know, a man named Anderson Lee Aldrich, allegedly... Open fire in Club Q in Colorado Springs. I would say it's a gay bar, but nothing is a gay bar anymore. This happened on November 19th. Five people are dead, uh, 17 or 18 were injured. Um, this is the same script every single time we have a mass shooting these days. Somebody has an ax to grind. It's because somebody hated somebody else. It's because we're a nation full of hate. It's because we have a Second Amendment that people actually take advantage of. It's everything but the responsibility of the actual murderer himself. Let's take a walk through it. And I warn you, okay, well, maybe it's a little strong. I'm not going to refrain from being irreverent, even though this is a tragic story. So be prepared for that. I'm still going to have a little fun. No, I don't think it's funny that people were killed. But no, uh, this is not a funeral dirge either. This is a commentary show. So let's get to the commenting. (laughs) Why don't we first go to the White House for who (laughs) I love. I love um, podcaster Matt Walsh calls her Karen Jean-Pierre. Karine Jean-Pierre, White House spokeswoman.
1: This attack occurred on the eve of Transgender Day of Remembrance, when the community was already mourning the transgender people, especially transgender women of color, who have been killed over the past years, and added two more to that count. This attack also comes amidst a rise in violent rhetoric and threats against the LGBTQI plus people across the country. While we don't know yet for certain the motive of this attack, hate has no place in this country and neither do military style assault rifles which is why we will continue to push for an assault weapons band
0: <sighs> l g b t q i plus people l g b t q i plus people i swear to god Did you catch that? We don't know. We don't know for sure what the motive is, she says. But hate has no place in this country. We don't know for sure, but we totally do. We totally do because it was totally about hate. It was. It was was totally about hate. It was not a love crime. It was a hate crime. (laughs) Now on to Joy Reid from MSNBC.
2: We begin tonight with the Colorado Springs community still mourning Saturday's mass shooting at Club Q, a tragic reminder of the ongoing anti-LGBTQ hate that we live with, but also of what it means that a sanctuary for the city's LGBTQ community even existed in Colorado Springs in the first place. Yeah,
0: I'm not going to treat you to the whole thing, but she goes on to an extended diatribe for several minutes about... PAST RELIGIOUS CONSERVATIVES IN COLORADO, HOW THEY LOBBIED FOR BILLS THAT WOULD HAVE PREVENTED GAY MARRIAGE FROM HAPPENING, PREVENTED GAY CIVIL RIGHTS FROM HAPPENING. AND THAT'S TRUE. THAT DID HAPPEN BACK IN THE EARLY 90s. Um, I WAS ALIVE AND AROUND THEN. I REMEMBER THESE THINGS. IT WAS TRUE. WE DID HAVE A SOCIETY IN WHICH PEOPLE WERE ACTUALLY PROPOSING BILLS THAT WOULD MAKE IT ILLEGAL TO GIVE HOMOSEXUALS THE SAME RIGHTS AS OTHER PEOPLE. ALL OF THAT IS TRUE. But that was 1992, 1993 that she was talking about. What what year is it now? What is it? It's 2022, isn't it? Yeah. I, this, I've talked about this before. We are not living in 1981. Jerry Falwell is dead. The moral majority doesn't exist anymore. They don't have a stranglehold on politics. They haven't for a long time. And then she talks about how the alleged gunman threatened his mother in 2021 with death from a homemade bomb. And Joy Reid is very upset about guns everywhere, but she doesn't, she didn't say anything about bomb-making materials, about why, wh- you know, why we need stricter bomb-making material laws. Why is that? I wonder. Um, <laughs> we've got more from Joy.
2: Um, and, and yeah. Um, let, let me ask you this question. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for what you went through. Um, Can you talk about this space? I'm going to take you to a happier place. Um, Talk about what this space meant to you and other members of the LGBTQ community before it was desecrated this way. Oh my God. It was such a, it's such a happy place. Um, I, you know, I came out when I was like 24, 25, you know, um, it helped me discover who I was. It helped me discover my love to dance. I became an employee, like around 2010, 2011, and you know worked there for for about four, four and a half, five years. Um, I made tons of great friends. You know, it's a very welcoming community. I've performed there in drag a few times. You know, they have a show on Sundays called Crush and it was open to any and everybody that wanted to perform. It wasn't just for the LGBTQIA+, it was for everybody. Um, It was such a warming and welcoming place. The owners, the managers, they were just so friendly, the bartenders, you know, every weekend was a theme party. It was from the bartenders to the DJs, to the go-go dancers, it, it, it was home. It was home to a lot of people and do not have that anymore hurts.
0: <clears throat> this is a difficult one. I struggled with how to talk about this. I'm struggling right now as I record this. This man, Joshua Thurman, was in the club. He saw people get shot. He is a witness to something traumatic. He was, in fact, traumatized. However... Put this all together, him on the Joy Reid show. The media is doing a roadshow of emotions right now. They want you to experience emotions. They want to feature emotions because the more emotion you experience, the less thought you will engage in. And although this man, I'm just giving you my opinion here. So if you want to be angry at me because I don't have the right emotions about him, uh, you may feel free to do so and tell me all about it he's hamming it up too the handkerchief, the exaggerated facial expressions, the over the top head rolling, you know, I know he's in grief. I know he is. And as a reminder, I've spent 20 years talking to people on the phone who are in grief as part of my job, that, that, that has literally been my job. And I can tell you from that experience that people can genuinely be in grief And they can also be acting deliberately histrionic for attention at the very same time. That's what I think is going on here. And it's tailor-made for the media. This is all meant to make you feel that Anderson Lee Aldrich, the alleged gunman, hated queers and has made being queer, no, not gay, queer, club Q, queer, unsafe. You heard Joy Reid talk about it, a haven, a sanctuary. You heard Joshua Thurman talk about it, a home, a happy place. It's not there anymore. Yes, yes. Okay. We don't need an underground railroad for gay people. You don't need. Gay bars are not the only place you can be yourself anymore. That was something that you could say honestly 40 years ago. You can't say it today. This was a tragedy. I wish this had not happened. I can't believe I feel obligated to say this, but I do. And I know that regardless of the fact that I'm saying this, I'm still gonna get commenters come back and say, oh my God, you're so horrible, you don't even care. Because I didn't, I didn't demote properly for them. Of course I wish this hadn't happened. But this was not like actually blowing up a stop on the Underground Railroad, without which all queers in Colorado have no place to go. (sighs) I don't know, there's no good way to talk about this. And you know what else? This is not the first time that a gay club has been shot up. It's not the first time that a bank has been shot up. It's not the first time that a school has been shot up. It's not the first time that a postal warehouse has been shot up. It's not the first time that any place in this country has been shot up. Gay people. And, and you hangers-on, you cuckoos who've come in and replaced our eggs with your own, all of you, you are not under attack. You are not under attack culturally. You are in a favored position. You are safer than you—you're not only safe, you are worshipped and obeyed, okay? You are not under attack. Don't believe what the media is trying to get you to believe, This was a tragedy, but it was a limited tragedy. And no, it's not a bellwether for what what queer people are facing in this country. When we were actually in danger, us gay people, sort of more culturally, when it was more common for people to literally turn a blind eye if we got beat up or killed, we we could say the culture is against us, but not now. And frankly, I resent what the media is doing, and I resent what a lot of people who call themselves part of this community are doing. They are expressing the level of of dramatic emotion that would have been appropriate 40 years ago. I was there. There are people, generations behind me who had it much, much worse than I did, far worse than I did. They know what it's like, too. Today, you don't, kids. You don't. Right? And me saying that doesn't mean I don't recognize that a whole bunch of people got killed. (sighs) <sighs> and I kind of anticipated that people were going to say, oh, the, Josh, this, this just isn't the time. Yes, it is the time. Yes, I believe it is the time to talk about it this way. In fact, I think it's past time. Why don't we ever tell these media ghouls that it's not the time to do what they do? Why do we not tell them it's not the time to warp a mass murderer into a woke weapon to get more of their agenda into the law. Why don't we do that? So if you don't think it's time, why don't you direct it's not time for that at somebody who needs to hear it? All of this is about using a tragedy to further their agenda. The left and the media would like a ban on what they call assault weapons, as if there were any gun that wasn't an assault gun, you know? (laughs) <laughs> Again, it's like hate crimes, as compared to what, a love crime? Come on. All right, I think we've got a—do we have another one here? Yeah, uh, wall-to-wall media coverage. we got a lot here, so let's just go through it. Uh, Kevin, can we roll the next one, please, as a young man talking about uh, anti-gay hate crimes from MSNBC? <laughs> That safe haven shattered when a gunman stormed the long-standing LGBTQ club in Colorado Springs. There's always going to be people that just hate that I exist for no real reason. While police have yet to confirm a motive, the assault is likely part of a disturbing trend. Last year, anti-gay crimes surged by more than 50 percent, up slightly in the first half of this year. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Show me your methodology, show me what you're calling anti-gay crimes. I don't believe it. And this young man, there's always gonna be people that just hate that I exist for no real reason. Nice, the voice, buddy. (laughs) No, there aren't people who just hate that you exist for no real reason. Nobody gives a shit about you, okay? Any more than they give a shit about me. You're not that special, sweetheart. (laughs) Then we've got Governor Kathy Hochul from New York State, the original Disney villainess. She's got a tweet. Here's what she says. (laughs) And there were so many of these from politicians. Amid recent threats to Jewish and LGBTQ communities, I've directed the New York police to ramp up monitoring and increase support for communities that are potential targets of hate crimes. Here in New York, violence or bigotry will never be tolerated. We stand united against hate. Uh, We will overcome. Next one. Tweet from—I don't even know who these people are, but it was like shooting fish in a barrel. All you had to do was just pick them up off Twitter and put them in your little basket. Benjamin Melanson says, It's clear that the murders at Club Q in Colorado Springs last night are terrorism. The shooter has a history of making bomb threats and most likely was whipped into a froth of white supremacy by the evangelical culture that is a parasite on the— And I'm not going to go on to the next tweet. I didn't even— bothered to look at it, because why would I? Then we've got (laughs) someone who calls themselves a (laughs) hypersonicorn, River, who says, the sad part about calling out right-wing extremists for having blood on their hands from the Club Q shooting is that they don't care. That is exactly what they wanted. They literally wanted all of us dead. That, my friends, is briar patching. I've talked about that before. It's from the old Br'er Rabbit folktales where Br'er Rabbit says, please, please don't throw me in the briar patch because he knows that if the fox throws him in the briar patch that he's in exactly the position he needs to be in and he can escape. These people are briar patching. They literally want all of us dead. It's exactly what they want. No, it's exactly what you want to project because what this is, What it looks like to me is a masochistic borderline personality disorder fantasy. Yeah, I said it, and I mean it. Borderlines do this a lot. Then we have Senator Scott Weiner, who never saw a child he didn't want to sexualize, from California. And he says, the murder of LGBTQ people at Club Q didn't occur in a vacuum. The right wing is stoking hate and violence against... LGBTQ people demonizing trans people and drag queens, calling gay men pedophiles, etc. Club Q was set to have a drag brunch today. A drag brunch. (laughs) Sorry, I added that. Anti-LGBTQ rhetoric has consequences. Yeah. This is familiar to me too. It's just like the Rutland Herald and Vermont Digger accusing Christopher Aaron Felker and me, by very obvious implication, of being responsible for the murder of a trans woman by a psychi- psychiatric nut job convicted criminal uh, because we don't want children to be sexually mutilated. So that means that we hate queer people. Yeah, okay. Stick it up your ass. Then we've got. <laughs> Twitter user, save democracy. <laughs> Six, oh, this, you, I, if you're just listening, I wish you could see the typography in this. There's bolding everywhere, errant capitalization, multiple exclamation points. Six years of GOP hate, GOP white supremacy, anti gay rhetoric, Club Q shooting follows years of GOP anti LGBTQ rhetoric. <laughs> This is a description of an op-ed from the L.A. Times. Club Q shooting in Colorado Springs follows six brutal years of anti-gay rhetoric. Brutal, brutal. Six years, guys. Ever since Orange Man Bad came. Then we've got... (laughs) Twitter user Semiopath. Huh. Huh. The fact that left-wing media sources are taking the club, oh geez, you know what? All right, so the cat's out of the bag. We're gonna get to this a little bit later. But the alleged club shooter now claims to be non-binary. So here we go. The fact that the left-wing media sources are taking the club Q shooter at his word, R.E., identifying as non-binary, is horrifying and signals that these people call themselves allies yet can't even begin to grasp the tactics of the new right. The essence model will suffocate us all. So this kid, about whom they know almost nothing, is part of the far right. He's an agent of the far right. This is anti-queer hate. It comes from no other place. There's no other possible motive. They just know this, right? They just know it. And they're the sayers and they said it. And that means it's true. You know what? Semiopath, you're mad because that's what you're doing. This is projection. You're simply calling yourself something that you're not and insisting that all of us repeat it back to you and say, we believe that you are that thing that you are not. That's you doing that. (laughs) <laughs> and, of course, no tragedy would be complete without some wisdom from America's favorite ethno-aristocrat, Dr. Ibram X. Kendi, Henry Rogers. Here's his tweet. A tribute to the five beloved people murdered at Club Q in Colorado Springs. They should be living and loving If we are not fighting homophobia, transphobia—transphobia is bolded, because it's more phobia than any other phobia—transphobia and the availability of assault rifles, as compared to love rifles, then we are not fighting for the most basic right to live and love. And I want you to take a look at this picture. It's a photoshopped image of the five victims. Um with a floral wreath around them. I've pointed this out before. Look out for this. This is religious imagery. This is um, this is quite literally an evocation of a Marian shrine, a grotto to the Virgin Mary. That's, with this framing, that's what they're doing. This is explicitly an appeal to religious saint, relig- saint iconography, sacred caste, saints, It's right in front of you. Notice it. And look also, take a look at this. Kevin, can we put that back on the screen, please? Take a look at the young man in the center on the left-hand photograph who's got his eyes closed. Uh, Not young man, young woman. Notice the surgery scars, the breast surgery scars underneath. That's creepy enough. But what really creeps me out about this, that eyes-closed pose is I may be stretching it here. That reads to me like a deliberate evocation of the image of the dead Christ. I, yes, I really do believe that's what Henry Rogers means to communicate with this, or whoever made this. We've heard it before. We have literally heard this. Trans people are sacred. We've seen that on a billboard, that exact phrase, trans people are sacred. You're dealing with religious lunatics here. Next tweet. This is from Jadzia, the Princess Knight, she, her pronouns. And if you didn't catch that reference, Jadzia is the name of a character on Star Trek Deep Space Nine who is the member of a race called the Trill who hosts, one body hosts a separate entity. So there are actually two people inside there. It's not hard to see the connection, right? So Jadzia says... I have no words this morning after Club Q, just deep anger and disgust that shit like this is allowed to happen again and again, that our community is so unjustly targeted by the right wing and they face no consequences. This must stop before there's none of us left. Again, this is a borderline masochistic fantasy. And we'll end this segment. We're coming right back into the subject, too, uh, with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She's going after um, her colleague Lauren Boebert, who and Lauren said the news out of Colorado Springs is absolutely awful and that the victims and families are in her prayers. Well, AOC had to have something to say about that, didn't she? Lauren Boebert, you have played. Now I'm going to do her voice. Lauren Boebert, you have played a major role in elevating anti-LGBT plus hate rhetoric and anti-trans lies while spending your time in Congress blocking even the most common-sense gun safety laws. You don't get to thoughts and prayers your way out of this. Look inward and change. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, shut your 16-year-old teenage bitch mouth. You are an embarrassment. You have no business in public life, let alone Congress. See you on the other side. There's a new perk for disaffected subscribers, and it's a good one. Patreon and Subscribestar donors, as well as PayPal donors, now have instant access to our backstage Discord server. Join multiple topic-based chat rooms and 24-7 open voice chat, and even virtual events on a main stage for hosted conversations and backstage podcast recording sessions. It's not Twitter, and you don't have to pretend Bruce Jenner's vagina is real. Sign up today. Thanks so much for listening. Would you take just a minute right now and share our show on social media? On Disaffected, we take a close look every week at the abuse dynamics exploding in the dark and disordered world that we live in. Tell other people about us.
1: defenders say, quote, Anderson Aldrich
0: is non-binary. They use they, them pronouns. I don't know what to say about that. I mean, that's not anything that we had heard from his background. You know, people have been looking into his background, and
2: uh, I don't know if anybody here, are you guys lawyers? I mean, you know, I don't know if, I I don't know what to say about that. I mean, (laughs) that's what he's now saying.
0: (laughs) This is a CNN host finding out on the air that the shooter at Club Cube claims to be non-binary, she does not know what to do. I love it. I love it. Uh, we can stop that clip, if you please, Kevin. The next clip, also with the same anchor and a trans woman. Natalie, when we started the show, we just got we got a little bit of news earlier that the attorneys for the shooter um, are now saying that the shooter is non-binary
1: and the shooter, the shooter uh, would like to use the pronouns
2: they, them. And this is for the court in all court papers. And that's what um, Anderson Aldrich's attorneys are saying.
1: Do you have any thoughts on that?
2: i think that's um complete ludicrous (laughs) um i believe they're just saying that because they want to have um the easy way out on this um that's really really um offending especially being a transgender woman myself that a male which it was obvious with the mugshot that's a man that's not a non-binary person because in no way, shape, or form could they appear as
0: a woman the next day. Um, It's really offensive to even hear that, that they're playing that role. Um, And if they're non-binary, why would you go after the club where you feel safe at?
2: Why would you do that to a community where you are welcomed in if you are non-binary?
0: Nice man voice, by the way, nice fake lady voice. Um, I believe complete ludicrous. Um, I believe they're just saying that. Um, (laughs) that's really, really, um, offending, especially being a transgender woman myself. (laughs) Please, Mary, I can smell your dick through the television screen. (laughs) You know, you're a man, dude. You're a big old man, and you are sitting there doing the exact thing that you claim is complete offensive because you 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 can't use actually adju- um adverbs. <laughs> you don't know that that form. You don't speak very well either. Yeah, th- this irritate. I'm sorry, it irritates me. Um, Natalie, or whatever the hell your name is. Um. That's not really, really uh, offending. It's really, really offensive. You were looking for the word offensive. Have you guys noticed that? New millennials speak. Things aren't addictive anymore. They're like really addicting. <laughs> this is really offending. I mean, look at this, look at this guy. Look at him. He is obviously a man wearing a bunch of Barbie makeup. Acting like he's offended because he's a woman. (laughs) Yeah, richest thing I've ever heard. These people are shit scared right now because they know that more people are waking up to their nonsense. That's what's got them upset. Mm. All right, let's move on to Axios, always good for a laugh. Colorado club shooting suspect is non-binary, attorneys say. Axios didn't like that. Um, I'm not going to take time on the show because somebody did this better than I could. You know my friend Holly, Holly the math elf? You should take a look at her substack. Um, She's got an essay that came out yesterday titled, The Club Q Shooter is Not non-binary, and I'm going to spoil it for you. She says that because there's no such thing as non-binary, okay? But she goes into this in great detail and says all the things I would have said, plus some more things I didn't think of. So definitely look up Holly Substack. The Club Q shooter is not non-binary. We'll put a link for that in the show notes as well. So let's talk about the shooter. Who is the alleged shooter? Excuse me. Who is Anderson Lee Aldrich? This is from Fox News. Quote, police received reports from Aldrich's mother on June 18th, 2021, stating that Aldrich was, quote, threatening to cause harm to her with a homemade bomb, multiple weapons and ammunition, according to the El Paso Sheriff's Department. So we see already that this young man has a history of violent threats and threats of murder. And we see that the first place that he directed those threats, as I would expect, as anyone would expect who has familiarity with this, at his family. Close to home. But he has no motive but hate for queers, right? No motive at all. He only hates queers. He's just doing this because he's part of the, the right wing. Right? Okay. little more. Also from Fox News. Quote, you can draw a straight line from the false and vile rhetoric about LGBTQ people spread by extremists and amplified across social media to the nearly 300 anti-LGBTQ bills introduced this year to the dozens of attacks on our community like this one, Glad, the gay and lesbian anti-defamation organization. Glad's president and CEO, Sarah Kate Ellis, said in a statement to the Denver Post. Well... Who's Anderson Lee Aldrich's father? What might have been going on in his home life? Let's take a look. You remember this from a show we did a few months ago when there was another mass shooting that had no motive except, well, actually no motive at all until we looked in. Oh, bingo, mommy and daddy are cluster bees. You'll find this familiar. This is from the New York Post. Quote, the dad of accused Colorado mass murderer Anderson Lee Aldrich is an ex-con, former mixed martial arts fighter turned porn star who has appeared on TV in everything from intervention to divorce court. Mm-hmm. Aaron Franklin Brink, 51, began entering the mixed martial arts cage in late 1998, about a year and a half before his alleged killer son was born, the Denver Gazette said Tuesday. Over the next 10 years, Brink had 21 victories and 18 losses, including during appearances with blah, 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 blah. Let's take a uh, uh, look at Daddy here. Let's put Daddy up on a big, muscle-bound, mixed martial arts fighter. Got his dukes up in the air, looking very masculinely menacing at you at the camera. So remember, mixed martial arts fighter turned porn star. I verified this. Yes, I did. He is indeed a porn star. It's an extensive body of work. Over the next 10 years, Brink had 21. Yeah, uh, we did that. We did that. Okay. Okay. Brink is also said to have divorced Aldrich's mom when their son was a baby, then took up porn acting at 27 under the name Dick Delaware, the Gazette said. And here's a quote from Daddy. I met this porn producer. I was fucking around with some girls at a party and he noticed I was very gifted. He said, man, you're a goddamn pro. If I get you a test, I'll put you in a scene. Yeah, bro. Now he's a Mormon, apparently. Brink's unorthodox career came after a troubled childhood, which included juvenile detention and a federal prison stint for smuggling pot into the US from Mexico. He was released from serving hard time at 24 years old when a friend encouraged him to consider mixed martial arts fighting according to a profile. Now, all right, so we've got we've got dad here. It's also allegations of of uh drug abuse and misuse, and if you take a look at his picture, it's not, hard to, it's not hard to imagine that. So we've got dad who came from a troubled background, turned into a roided-up martial arts fighter, then turned into a porn star, now has become a Mormon. Do you know what this sounds like and looks like to me? It looks like male typical borderline personality disorder. Identity instability. What a surprise. Can I know this for sure? No. Would I bet money on it? Yes, I would. Now, What about mommy? Are we sure that Anderson Lee Aldrich wasn't affected by anything at home and that he just hated queer people? Let's look at mommy. This is from the New York Post, what I'm about to quote to you. The mother of accused Colorado Springs mass shooter, Anderson Lee Aldrich, also has previous run ins with the law involving, including three outstanding warrants for arrest in California. Laura Vopel, 45, was busted in 2008 for false reporting. In 2010, for speeding and failure to appear in court. And in 2011, for driving under the influence. That's drunk driving. In 2008, she was also arrested in Riverside for public intoxication and failure to appear. It's not clear if that bust was tied to the false reporting. Blah, 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 blah. She was sentenced in 2013 to five years of probation. But we're not sure what because the records um, are mixed up. (laughs) She didn't complete the terms, interestingly. And also, very interestingly, Laura Vopel, the mother of the alleged shooter, also had an arson count reduced to a lesser charge in San Antonio, Texas, according to the outlet. What does mommy sound like to me? Mommy sounds cluster B as well. Alcoholism, arson, alleged arson, drunk driving. What do you suppose that home life was like? Here's a picture of her on your screen. With her son, the alleged shooter, I believe, but I've, I've seen a lot, so I'm not sure. I believe this is a still from video of 2021 when he was arrested for making the bomb threat. Um, I want you to take a look at mommy here. OK, just take a look at her. Take her in. Because on the next screen, we're going to see how mommy would like you to see her. Can We put that up, Kevin. There you go. Full face makeup mask, globed on. And that's not a smile that she's displaying to you. That's a rictus grin. It doesn't match the eyes. It's this. I'm grinning like a skull. You know, this is one subject where the people who say mentally ill people are more likely to be victimized than they are to be the aggressor or the perpetrator, this is one area in which they have a point. A much narrower point than they believe they do, but a point nonetheless. When you see mass shootings like this, when you see these kinds of murders, when you see spree killings, it's true. It's very rare, actually, that the person actually has a mental illness like schizophrenia or that they're actually in a psychotic and delusional state. It's very rare that they have the type of mental illness where they're literally out of touch with reality, can't distinguish truth from fiction, fantasy from reality, and right from wrong. That's why the so-called insanity defense is actually quite rare in court. It almost never holds up because almost all of these people are not insane by that definition, but you know what they are? They're cluster B cluster b anyway come back and join us for a conversation with barbara wegner on the cartman drama triangle there's a new perk for disaffected subscribers and it's a good one patreon and subscribe star donors as well as paypal donors now have instant access to our backstage discord server join multiple topic-based chat rooms and 24 7 open voice chat and even virtual events on a main stage for hosted conversations and backstage podcast recording sessions it's not twitter and you don't have to pretend bruce jenner's vagina is real sign up today Thanks so much for listening. Would you take just a minute right now and share our show on social media? On Disaffected, we take a close look every week at the abuse dynamics exploding in the dark and disordered world that we live in. Tell other people about us. Welcome back. We're going to talk to somebody who is going to illuminate something for us that sort of undergirds a lot of the stuff we talk about on the show. Barbara Wagner is a life coach and a writer. She's somebody I've known online for about a year and a half now. I've had a lot of conversations with her, and I don't know anybody who is better at explaining this extremely common dynamic that ends up uh, putting us into psychologically abusive situations than Barbara. So I'm going to bring Barbara in, and she's going to talk to us about what's called... The Carpman Drama Triangle. Thanks for joining us, Barbara.
1: Thank you for having me on here. So that's great. Um, this is such an important topic, I think, for people to understand because you said it's common. It's everywhere. Just everywhere. So I wanted to just briefly explain the the Carpman Drama Triangle. It starts with a savior or rescuer. He called it rescuer, I say savior because of the savior mentality. I think that's a lot easier for people to understand. And there is a yep. persecutor who is supposed to be persecuting the victim. And so these are roles that people take on. They don't necessarily have to be true. Uh, so a lot of people may agree with you, but you know it's debatable whether or not it's true. And so some people whether well, or not you're thing-
0: you're actually a persecutor, right. or Actually a savior, or actually a victim. So for yes. uh, for those who can't see it, we've got a graphic up here. But I want you to imagine a triangle with three people. They're each in three. Uh, they're at the three points of the triangle, and this is the the three person triad uh, that we're talking about: persecutor, savior, or rescuer, and victim. Back to you, Barbara. <laughs>
1: Yes. And there can be multiple people. So like when you talk about the flying monkeys, you know, experience, a persecutor can grab in more people to join them too, right? Um, But the drama triangle really is requiring you to have either a lack of responsibility yourself or saying that somebody else has no responsibility. So if you actually took personal responsibility or expect other people to take personal responsibility, then you wouldn't end up in these sorts of situations, these dramatic conflicted, you know, interactions with each other. So personal responsibility is the big thing with all this. And So the drama triangle is actually where people are shifting responsibility from one person onto another. And so this is also called scapegoating or blame shifting when you put that responsibility onto the persecutor versus somebody else, the victim, you know. Uh, This doesn't mean that anybody who's been victimized in the past is always playing victim. I wanna be clear about that, right? So if a woman went out late at night and she got raped, the rapist is at fault and should go to jail, you know, there are, there's a responsibility is on that person to not do that. However, there are certain things sometimes that somebody in that situation, the woman could have done differently. So like going out with a friend, you know, being more careful about certain things. There are certain responsibilities right. that somebody can take on. So this isn't about blaming a victim because the responsibility is You know for that act is on the rapist in that situation so there are times when somebody is actually a victim of a crime and things like that right i'm not trying to victim blame but you know there's a certain time when you're in a situation where you can either sort of play this victim and hold on to that victim mentality for the rest of your life and just claim it and go forward and always complain about it, complain about men, you know, exaggerate rather than just one person, right? You could exaggerate it onto all men. Now, all men are pigs because of this one person, right? Uh, So that would be playing the victim. And you don't, that's where you can stay in this victim mentality for the rest of your life or choose to take personal responsibility. And if you have issues Related to this, you know, getting counseling and things like that. So you can take responsibility for what's going on in your current situation rather than stay would it, focused.
0: Go on. Yeah. Would it be accurate to say that there are times in which we find ourselves in this triangle and it's sort of a natural place to find ourselves in because we were actually victimized? Right, uh, and we might mm-hmm. actually be wanting somebody else to help us, uh, be a savior, be a rescuer. But there are other times when we make up these roles, both for ourselves and other people. So, would it be accurate to say this dynamic can occur either as the result of an actual harm and actual victimization, or it can be us slotting ourselves into that to 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 meet different emotional needs? Is that a, is that right?
1: Yeah. Yes, very much so. So, a lot of the times, like I've had situations where somebody has thought of me as a victim that they needed to save. And so they've jumped into the situation and they're trying to attack somebody else. That's another thing. If somebody's trying to rescue a victim, sometimes they go into attack mode against who they think is the persecutor, but it's actually flipped that they're the ones persecuting the other person right because they're trying to protect somebody who never actually asked for protection so i didn't feel like a yes. victim in that situation and they were seeing me in that way and then attacking like a friend of mine uh, you know <laughs> so people can make it up that's, out of I, nowhere I, i'm glad you
0: i'm glad you brought that up because uh, that's that that's a mistake that i have made that's been a problem for me I'm one of those people—and I'm guessing that people who are listening to this are going to recognize themselves in some of these roles as well. But when I see somebody who I perceive to be being harassed, being mistreated, being lied about, I— I HAVE A TENDENCY TO REFLEXIVELY JUMP INTO SAVE YOUR ROLE. I WANT TO RESCUE THAT PERSON. I DON'T WANT THEM TO BE HANGING OUT THERE WITHOUT ANY SUPPORT FROM THE SIDELINES. AND JUST LIKE WHAT YOU JUST SAID, BARBARA, I'VE SOMETIMES DONE THAT ON SOCIAL MEDIA ONLY TO FIND OUT THAT THE PERSON I WAS SCREAMING AT WAS ACTUALLY THAT PERSON'S FRIEND AND I JUST DIDN'T UNDERSTAND THE TONE OF THE CONVERSATION.
1: RIGHT. Yeah, and so I've said that before, so many people actually are trying to take on the savior role towards people who don't even need saving. Like there's a lot of, uh, let's say, you know, our friend Holly, and she talked about during the pandemic, how she could not um, hear so well, right? And the masks were covering people's mouths. And so people were trying to save people who actually weren't even asking to be saved. And so they were requiring these masks that were actually then sort of jumping into the persecutor role where we're going to keep things actually worse for you, you know, by requiring all these masks, which make it actually difficult to hear because you can't read lips as easily. So a lot of people... It's a great example. They just don't even consider the fact that maybe I shouldn't even be jumping into this situation. Maybe I should just leave it alone. Um, yes. I think that when you're in the drama yeah, triangle, a, you get There's a relationship. Very... Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> when you're in the drama triangle, you get so, yeah, you love the drama. You love to get in there. You love to jump into situations and get your hands sort of dirty into the situation. Whereas people outside the drama triangle, they just do their own thing you know, they're going to be more libertarians versus people in the drama triangle, which I've said on my sub stack, that it is a little bit more democratic for people who lean this way into the drama triangle. That isn't to say that people who are Republican wouldn't. Uh, and I will get into that, how people, it can be flipped. Uh, the drama triangle, like I've mentioned, people switch roles very quickly and you can see it from two different perspectives, like a mirror. Was there anything else? Yeah, you now There's to a say connection
0: there? between the drama triangle and what we call woke politics and woke culture these days. Uh, yes. Let's talk about that. You've got some material on that. Okay.
1: Yeah, so we can bring up the taxonomy chart and uh, Michael Schellenberger and Peter Boghossian created this. And so I definitely want to give them credit for it because it's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. And, and for listeners, so- Michael
0: Schellenberger. Michael Schellenberger is a writer who writes on um, on climate change. He's one of the skeptics of the extremists. Peter Boghossian is a philosopher.
1: And so there's different categories on here, like racism, climate change, the transgender uh, community, crime, mental illness, drugs, and homelessness. And I'm not gonna go through every single one of them here, but I just wanted to give an example where you can see that all of these different social justice causes can actually fit into the drama triangle. And so if we could zoom into the racism one here, we can see that there's different uh, columns here. So there's original sin and guilty devils, myths, sacred victims, the elect, and supernatural beliefs. It does go forward onto other columns here, but I'm just gonna zoom in here on these. And the guilty devils, if you could zoom in on the racism one, there's white people and police in this particular situation. And so the guilty (laughs) devils would be... (laughs) would be the persecutors in the drama triangle, right? These are the people who, if you believe that, you know, there's systemic racism, the persecutors are these white people who are keeping um, people of color down by not giving them what as great opportunities or wages or whatever whatever you think is keeping them down. You think the white people and the police are the ones who are doing that. And then uh, go to the next one too. Did you want to say something, Josh?
0: Uh, Oh, no, go go ahead,
1: please. Okay, and here are the sacred victims. And of course, the sacred victims for this, there's black people and people of color and indigenous people. And so the victims, obviously this goes along with the victim role. And if you could go to the next one, there's another column, which is, the next slide, please. Um, The elect, oh no, I'm sorry, you were on it. (laughs) The elect, okay. Yeah, there we go. So there's, yeah. Coates, Kendi, D'Angelo, Black Lives Matter and critical race theorists. So these are the, Those are the these are elect. the rescuers. Right. The elect is what he calls them in this chart. But these are the people who are yeah. coming in to try to save things, to fix things. And you'll notice that a lot of the times the critical race theorists are actually white people, sometimes white women more, probably particularly liberal women. And so they are the ones who are coming in to try to explain how this is just horrible, racism and horrible, and they're gonna try to fix it by being these allies. And so these are the people that are the saviors. And I've actually mentioned on the drama triangle, it says savior or rescuer. And I think warrior also gives that same idea that you're going in to fight a battle And so social justice warriors, that's the role that they are fitting into when they are taking on that social justice warrior name. And so if you see somebody with the SJW title, then it's going to be a good chance that they're going to be seeing themselves as a savior here.
0: It seems to me, and tell me if it seems this way to you or not, but it seems to me that in our era, in our our context with social justice warriorism, with wokeism, that there are more people who want to be saviors than there are actually people who believe themselves to be victims?
1: I would agree with that totally, yes. People are getting—what they're getting out of this is this feeling of social media credit, I think, and just, just puffed up, you know, belief. And there are a few people who want to be coddled, you know, who want to take on that victim role, um, who want to get the social media points too, for that, for playing victim and say like, Oh, I did this. Um, and this happened, the wound collecting, as you have mentioned in the past. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of people who are trying to be these saviors. And I think that it is like an idea of ignoring their own fears and anxieties and issues. I think that a lot of the CRT folks may actually have some racist ideas. I mean, you can see this when they're saying like black people aren't smart enough to get ID or something like they don't know how to use a computer. I think Joe Biden has said a few <laughs> of these things in the past. No, Barbara, um, Barbara, they don't have
0: they don't have access. <laughs>
1: right. They don't have they can't access.
0: access the DMV. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and so yeah. A bit of, racism of low in expectations.
1: There. Yeah, and so I think that they are ignoring their own racist ideas and projecting it onto everybody else so that they don't have to come to terms with their own racism. And that probably works for every other category, you know, for these saviors. Um, It's just ignoring fears, you know, and the people are trying to control guns. I would say that's a fear of guns that they should be working out themselves rather than forcing other people to not have them, you know, for self-protection. I think that there's a lot of projection going on of what is actually their own issues onto other people so that they don't have to deal with their own issues. And if you wanted to go- Well,
0: projection and reversal are the name of the game these days. Right.
1: If you wanted to go to the next screen on there, um, I talked about climate change too here, and climate deniers is under the persecutor role. No, uh, whatever he said it was, which guilty devils. (laughs) Um, That is just to believe differently, and all of a sudden, you are now a persecutor. You You are somebody who we cannot agree with. And I think the same thing goes for the, the vaccines and the masks and things like that. As long as you don't believe the same thing, then you are a persecutor because you are not with us and you're not playing victim for us to save you. <laughs> you know, if you're not gonna play our drama game and if you're not gonna be the victim for us and you're not gonna agree with us and play with us as saviors, then you've gotta be a persecutor because that's the only spot left. And they can't see outside of this drama triangle.
0: Go on. It, it reminds me. I mean, I think what's going on there is is um, splitting. We talk about this in terms of borderline personality disorder, but but other people split too. Black and white thinking, all good or all mm-hmm. bad. You're either a pu- uh, uh, persecutor or you're a savior. Uh, you're either you're either an ally or you're an enemy. You know. And you mm-hmm. said something a moment ago that I want to pick up on again. You said, you know, if you don't believe the things, if you don't feel this way. That's exactly it. Don't we all feel, don't you feel, I certainly do, that we are being monitored by people like this for the rectitude of the emotions we experience. We're, we're being yeah. held to a standard. If you don't feel these emotions, there's something morally wrong with you.
1: They dehumanize you. Yes. Yes. They put you into the persecutor role, which is taking away any humanization for you whatsoever. And that is uh, something I've talked about also in um, my substack where I talked about abortion. I know it's a touchy subject, but uh, in the terms of that, a woman who let's say is liberal, is pro-choice, would see the fetus as the persecutor and themselves as the victim who has to deal with the fetus. and that's why they will tell it, say it is a parasite. Um, That is the dehumanization of the fetus. And I'm not saying that there isn't a flip because the Republicans will also say that they, um, the fetus is the victim and they are the persecutor. And so I know that there's mirrors as far as this goes. Um, Every single relationship that we are talking about here could be mirrored in a different way. And I think people, I hope that everybody does look at themselves first before looking at other people and say like, Oh yes, I know this person's doing this. And I know this person's doing this. Oh, where am I doing this? You know, because we all fall into this at some point. Go on. And
0: how, how do you, how do you do that? What, I, I, for example, how would you suggest to people, how do they look at themselves and say, Hey, let me let me step back here and let me see if I'm engaging in this dynamic. Am I playing a stereotyped role in this triangle? Um, do you have a thought? I mean, you know, I've thought about that myself. I'm sure you've probably thought about it for yourself. What do you suggest for people?
1: Well, I have understood the wanting to save other people. And so that is a difficult thing. You get into this mode where you think if I don't help this person, how are they going to do it themselves if I'm out of the situation, but I, you know, religiously understand that they have a lot more will and capability to do things. So when you back away, you'll notice that some people, they end up finding a way to do it themselves. Uh, And so you're sort of coddling them, you know, it's actually a very codependent relationship when you're trying to save somebody who you know, maybe they actually want to be a victim, you know, and you're you're saving and they're being the victim and all that. It's a very codependent thing. But when you back away, they will figure out some other way to get what they want, whatever they need. And so I just try to understand that they will find a way because I know what's happened in my past. If I like to look back at my past and see how that's happened. And if I'm feeling like a victim, the thing that I would say is where do I have responsibility here? Where can I take some responsibility? Like I can be very upset, like the dog is barking like crazy or something, you know? Where do I have responsibility in that? Am I just gonna blame the dog or am I gonna say like, I could have fed the dog and she would have been happy with a treat or something like that, you know? Like where is my, it can be such a small thing, but where is the responsibility that I have that I could have taken that could have helped the situation go better? So I think that helps a lot. The persecution thing, most people don't see themselves as a persecutor. It's usually when you're trying to save somebody that you end up in that role.
0: Yeah. So you're saying that when you try to save somebody, you end up becoming a persecutor.
1: Yes. A lot of the times, if you're trying to save them from something else, a lot of the times you're going after whatever that, whatever that is that you've perceived was the persecutor of that person.
0: Right. Well, I guess the uh, the you know, my own example is is probably an easy one. Me jumping in on social media, trying to defend a friend uh, from insult and calumny, only to discover that um, I'm screaming at that person's other friend, and this is the tone of the relationship they have with each other. And nobody was getting bent out of shape in the first place. So I ended up being the persecutor to their other friend.
1: Right. Yeah glad you can see how that works out. Yeah, it does. And we just got to take a step back and say like, is this person really needing help? And the other thing is, um, if somebody needs help, they'll ask. So another thing is I want to, whenever I feel like, oh, I wish I could help that person. If they haven't asked me for help yet, I will just sort of take a step back and say, well, they're not asking for help. They might not actually want help and just try to remind myself of that, that they're capable, they can figure some other way out for that.
0: There's an interesting column on the woke taxonomy chart that I'm hoping you can dig into a little bit more. It's labeled supernatural beliefs.
1: Yes, and so on the, the racist portion, it says math is racist. White people borrowing elements from other cultures is theft, like cultural appropriation. And culture doesn't matter, racism is bad as ever. These are things that they believe that could be questioned. And so, I, in my whole life coaching business, is I go in and I ask people to question their beliefs that are keeping them back. Beliefs are like glasses. Some people wear rose colored glasses and see the rescuers as good, honest people when they're actually authoritarians. And some people wear dirty sunglasses and see ugliness everywhere where there's beauty. And the woke have the dirtiest glasses I've ever seen because they're seeing ugliness just everywhere. <laughs> and we perceive what we believe. Say, That's why it I think sucks. I have
0: dirty glasses on too.
1: <laughs> it just really got to suck to be a social justice warrior who's seeing evil everywhere um, because that is exactly it, just it. it grows. We perceive what we believe. And so it just gets worse and worse. So I would be trying to tell people to question your beliefs. Is this really true? And I think there's a lot of ways that people could question those, but obviously some people want to play victim. They want to stay as a savior. They want to do that. But for the people who want out of the drama, they can question these beliefs and they can actually exit the drama triangle with things like that, with questioning. And also I wanted you, to- How oh, do you question- to,
0: these these beliefs though i mean i i know it's a big question but that's the sticking point for a lot of people they i mean this is this is how we stay in there nobody wants to question the belief that white people borrowing from black culture is theft nobody wants to question the belief that uh, well, you're non-binary, so you're not actually a sex. I mean, I agree that we do need to question these beliefs, and I, and, and I believe we need to see them for what they are, which is supernatural beliefs. Right. But how, how can we suggest to people that you're allowed to do that? Here's how to start. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so if somebody actually wants to question them, it would be listing the things that they believe. When you get frustrated by something, what is it that you're frustrated about? What do you believe? Why are you getting this frustration? Is there something that you believe? You have to write these things down so that you can look at them and actually take time. And I know the first thing you're gonna think of is the fact like, this is true. I'm looking at it it's true but you can go on and try to listen to somebody that doesn't believe that like there's a lot of people who would be contrarian to this right whatever beliefs you have you can listen to somebody else and you can go through and you can do your own research if you believe that you know black people are the worst treated the worst with cops right you can actually go in and do your own research by looking at the stats and so you can question them and look at what's the stats say versus what does a newspaper say. I know the newspapers are not always going to be accurate, right? Because they've got their own savior complex going on. <laughs> the news reporters It's very and- difficult
0: to do, it's very difficult to do it. Well, I mean, you can do it, but the I guess the difficult part is Will your conversational partner freak out? And 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 there's and the answer is often yes, uh, because these are supernatural beliefs. And if you challenge a supernatural belief, you're making a statement of blasphemy or heresy. That's the way that people experience this emotionally. Right. Um, but I don't suppose there's any way around that.
1: Well, if somebody is really, really in the drama triangle and you want to take them out of the drama triangle, you're actually coming in as a savior trying to save them because you think they're a victim to the drama triangle right so we have to take a step back and say that they actually have to take the personal responsibility to actually question the beliefs themselves if they want to until then they're going to have to hit rock bottom before they will you can't save them uh, thank you
0: <laughs> v- very clear very clear statement i'm i'm really glad that you underlined that because It's the lesson I think we all need to learn. It's a lesson that I needed to learn when I was being a savior for somebody who was not actually persecuted, which I've done many times with many different people. And and a lot of us have done that, too. I I, I guess I sort of asked you a question that I hate being asked myself. So I should I should take ownership of that, um, because the answer often is you can't. They, yeah. I, they have to be willing to do this. You can only take yourself out of the drama triangle. You have to accept. If they wish to stay there, they are going to stay there. Right. And that means yes. you have to walk away. There's no, yes. there's no more work to be done right here, right now.
1: Right. Exactly. yeah And you're miswanting them to get out of there. So I've talked about miswanting. It's when you think that you want. When you say you want something, it means that you think that having that thing would make you feel better. But like if you want to try to get somebody out of the drama triangle, you're just stepping back into the drama triangle like as a savior, right? So that's not actually what you want. And you do want people to take personal responsibility because that is what's gonna actually get them out of the drama triangle themselves. It's just they have to hit rock bottom before they see that they want to get out. Um, So a lot of times we are miswanting things and i wish that people would understand that uh so that's why you know i wanted to talk about that here uh in the show and so you can bring up the chart for life satisfaction this is just another example of something where people think they want something so this was a study done you can see the source down below and it was a study done on german women and it's life satisfaction, this is the baseline. So on the left-hand side, the 7.2 is actually just sort of a baseline and it goes back to baseline at four on the four towards the right side of the chart. But before marriage, their life satisfaction was going up. Just like when you're getting engaged, you're really excited, you're gonna have these engagement parties, bachelor parties, and the wedding planning and all that stuff. And you're all so excited about being able to get married. And so yes, life satisfaction goes up when you're getting married. So in the zero in the middle right there is getting married. After marriage, after the honeymoon, the life satisfaction goes back down because the excitement is over. Everything that people were excited about, everybody was congratulating them. You know, everybody's saying, wow, this is so great. Here's a present and just, loving on them, sort of like a love bomb. You know, there's this whole like, everybody's in to congratulate you and you're the life of the party. Everybody's looking at you right before marriage. After marriage and after the honeymoon, you're home and you have to get back to real life and people aren't there cheerleading you on any longer. And so what I wanted to talk about is how this relates to transgenderism when people do the gender surgery, right? So people go into this, thinking that everything is gonna be amazing. Everybody love bombs them. Every, you know, As soon as somebody says, I wanna be a boy or a girl different than what I was, then everybody starts to come in and there's news media about it in so many cases. And there's friends and family you know, showering affection and groups and everything. I mean, the same could be said for the mother or the parents too, that they're gonna get this affection too. And so there's all this hype and expectation. And then after the surgery, when they come home, nobody else is there with them to be giving them all this love and attention. And they have to deal with the actual results. Now they have to deal with real life. And I would predict based on this chart that their satisfaction would go down afterwards. And so I think that when, I forget who it is in our uh, politics in Washington who really says that transgender surgery is gonna help these children I don't really think that they're looking at these sorts of studies that say that it's gonna go down. And you can bring up the last slide where we talk about the graph. Yes, this is a good one. This is about cosmetic surgery. Uh, I actually have the conclusion. I should probably read that here. This was a study and the conclusion was a series of mental health symptoms predict cosmetic surgery. Cosmetic surgery does not in turn seem to alleviate such mental health problems. So there are mental health problems in people who want cosmetic surgery. But after the surgery, the problems actually get worse. So it shows before the surgery, the suicidal ideation is like 0.3 on the left-hand side there. And then after the surgery, it goes up to 0.47 or 48 there. It goes up. Suicidal ideation goes up after the cosmetic surgery and alcohol use- All of the up. negative
0: things on, on on this go up after the surgery. All the things right, that so, people s- say will get better in their lives actually get worse.
1: Right. They're miswanting the surgery. They think it's going to help them. But then after they're done, they get back to real life. And it's not. It hasn't helped them. Even the physical appearance scale. So obviously it was low for people who want to have cosmetic surgery. But it gets lower. <laughs> It gets worse after the cosmetic surgery. They feel worse about themselves. And this was a study that obviously I don't think it was about transgenderism. It's just about cosmetic surgery. But why can't we extrapolate? You know, this is something-
0: Well, I think I think we can't. And we have to extrapolate because of course we know that the transgender advocates don't want this kind of study replicated. They don't want this kind of good, actual, specific work done because they know right. what they'll find, and what they'll find is either exactly like this or far, far worse right. uh, than just, you know, what we call plain old cosmetic surgery. Right,
1: I mean, this is cosmetic, Barbara. and they're talking about sterilization, so <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be even worse. Yes,
0: I, so, I mean, it, it's 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 gonna be even worse. Um, Barbara, I want to thank you for coming on and explaining this, because the drama triangle, I think, is as important to understand. For anybody who cares about understanding why we get into thwarted emotional dynamics, abusive psychological dynamics, people who have an interest in cluster B and cluster B dynamics, the drama triangle is as important as understanding the narcissistic reversal, which is the other mainstay that I hit on on this show all the time, And, and you did a really good job... Uh, showing how it's relevant. Tell the audience where they can find you. I know you've got a Substack called The Drama of It All. Where else can you be found online?
1: I have a website called com, And there's a social media tab if you wanna find my social media. And I have a channel called Hacking Your Life on YouTube and it's also on Odyssey and Rumble. So I think that's a good starting point for being able to find me. Thank you.
0: Excellent. And we'll have, uh, we'll have links to where you can find Barbara within the show notes uh, underneath this uh, when it comes out. So, Barbara, thank you very much again for joining us. I really appreciate it. You're
1: welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: And that's the show, folks. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next week.